Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, October 15th. If you feel impelled to defend a principle, never do so under the influence of anger. Defend your beliefs joyously. Dharmic, that is to say righteous causes, should be defended righteously. And joyous non-attachment is the only way to mount that defense. Now that is not a very popular piece of advice. People think that anger is the best way to express yourself. Dharmic causes should be defended dharmically. So righteously, you know, um, how does he say it? Yeah, defended righteously. So the energy that you put into something and the energy that you're expressing more than the words you're using or the, the, the thought that you have about what you're doing, the energy that you put out is actually more what you're doing, that's what I'm trying to say, than the thing itself. Because this is an energy universe. And the universe doesn't read your words. The universe reads your vibration. So if you're angry because somebody has been you know, inappropriate in the way they've expressed their anger or their violence or their fear, you're actually contributing to the sum total of that kind of energy in the universe, no matter how um, wrong their behavior may have been, if you're putting out a vibration that matches on some level the vibration that they put out. Now, having said that, I expect to get a lot of emails because it is emails meaning people saying, what, what, what? Because it's really, really hard to get that. And it it's a because the opposite of that is not, oh, well, then just, you know, let the bullies just have their day, let them stomp all over everyone. That, that is not the opposite of what I'm saying. Because he's not saying, if you feel impelled to defend a principle, because you may feel impelled to defend a principle, you may feel impelled to stand up for the weak, you may feel impelled to stand up against wrong behavior. He's not saying that you shouldn't do it. But you have to realize that what's going on in these situations, it's a balance of shadow and light. And what will really you know, overcome shadow is light. That's, that's what's required. This is again, I say it again, if your energy is as actually shadowed because anger like this, this is what causes the whole thing to go crazy in the first place. And anger is based on fear. And fear is based on the world has to be a certain way or else I can't stand it, which is based on selfishness that you must behave in a certain way in order to make me feel good. Now that by no means means that everybody who stands up for a righteous cause is just self-centered. I mean, that would be foolish to say. So it's not even that you do no good, no good at all by standing up with anger. But if you really want to create change, you have to change the whole vibration of the situation. This is it. And this is why, let me think how I want to say this. You know, when I 
in nine, it, I, I grew up in the seventies. I went to college in nineteen sixty-five. I it was we was the time of the Vietnam War. I, I I spent the night in the administration building of my college, protesting the war, and you know, and my, you know, my friends were burning their draft cards. I mean, it was a big time of demonstration, and I was in it for a while. I I dropped out of everything within a couple of years, so I never. I never did anything very much until I got to Ananda, anything for very long. Um, but, but when, uh, but you know, of course, it always, <clears throat> it, I, I was always sort of struggling with. But when real, there's real unrighteousness in the world. What do you do? Because there's a tremendous amount of unrighteousness in the world, and you just your heart breaks. You see imprisoned, wrongly imprisoned people. You see racial prejudice. You see religious intolerance. You see starvation. It's just—it's heartbreaking, and the desire to help is God-given and God-inspired, and quite appropriate. Altruism, tr- altruism, concern for others, um, a sense of of justice. These are very, very important principles. But what we have to understand on a more subtle level, and this is what I was saying, is what's actually going on. Um, when I was in in 1986, I went to India for the first time. I was actually leading a tour with three other people to a country that I'd never been to. In fact, of the four of us, only one of us had ever been to India. But it was a pilgrimage tour based on the teachings of self-realization. And I knew the teachings and I knew that I could, you know, help. And that we all worked it out and it worked out beautifully. But it was the first time in my life that I had been out of a a Western European country. I'd, I'd been to Europe. And, of course, I'd lived in the U.S., but I'd never been to a developing nation. I'd never seen overpopulation. I'd never seen poverty. I'd never seen beggars. I'd never seen people living on the street. I'd never seen lepers. You know, I'd just never seen any of that. Driving in on the bus the first night through the city of New Delhi, seeing people, you know, living on the sidewalk, just everything was completely new. It was, But it was very interesting to me because I was, by that point, 15 years as part of Ananda, my just my first thought looking out the window is, we have all the resources in the world to solve this problem. There's plenty of technology, there's plenty of money, there's plenty of food, there's not a single reason in the world why these people should be in this condition, except a really, really simple one, which is we do not have the global desire to um, do it right. In other words, the problem was not of resources or capabilities. The problem was really simple, and it was a matter of consciousness. We had to want to solve those problems, and we had to want to solve those problems more than we wanted to indulge ourselves. And I realized at that point that the life that I was living right at that moment, and had been for a long time, which was deeply dedicated to teaching people about self-realization, about the presence of God in our lives, um, the importance of, of be, being more than generous, which is to completely transcend self-interest at all and think entirely in terms of how can I serve the entire world, that that was the only answer. Now, I'm not going to disempower those who wish to work more directly. If you feel inspired or impelled, as he put it, to defend a principle and that principle is you know, racial injustice, uh, eradicating poverty, 
abuse of authority and power on the part of some person, if that's what you feel is your destiny to do, do it. But realize what you have to change is consciousness. You can't just generate enough power to push the ones you don't like back, put them in a corner where they can't do anything anymore, and then your side gets to have power over them. Yes, it could be a step up. I'm not saying at all that it isn't. It could be an enormous step forward. But what you'll do is you'll just back that darkness into the corner and it will just try to find another way to come out again. Especially if you have overpowered them with essentially the same energy they're using against you. And, but if you can really elevate, elevate your understanding, elevate your vibration, so that your attitude, far from being one of anger, is one of deep compassion. You can still be absolutely firm that this behavior is intolerable, but your attitude is one of compassion and kindness. You know, sternness, compassion, and kindness can go together really well. Master talks about, you know, a positive future in a higher age when all nations can work together and we have a United Nations of all nations like just not a United States of America, but United States of the world, in which every individual country is drawn. But even in that context, Master said, there will always be bullies. And you'll need to have an international police force to keep the bullies in place. But if consciousness has risen, we understand that bullies should not be allowed free range, not only because it's bad for those they bully, but because it's terrible for them that whatever they push out on other people, the way Swami put it, which is very interesting, whatever you push out on other people, in a negative or positive way, the strongest force field of what you're expressing is at its origin point, which is you. So when you're brutalizing others or, or condemning them or in any way trying to dominate them in the wrong way, that vibration is destroying you. In, in destroying your happiness, destroying everything, your refinement, and of course setting you up to have terrible karma. Because if you're so un- unaware as to not realize the suffering you're inflicting, how are you going to find out? Oh, let me think. Oh, you'll have to experience it. I mean, in my own little world where I've never been subject to anything like that, but every time I suffer, it has made me so much kinder. Because, oh, yeah, that feels terrible, doesn't it? Then I certainly don't want to be on the giving end of that ever again. And that's when it finally stops. Now, just a moment, let me get the thought clear. So this is why all change begins with oneself. Now, does that mean that you never take action until you're totally calm? Well, ideally, that's correct. But sometimes the way we learn to become, become calm is with the compassion. There's, there's another thought here, and I'm, I'm, I lost it, and I want to find it again. Let me see if I can find it. Hmm. Well, un- unfortunately, I can't catch it. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The, the, the greatest difficulty right now, and I'm, this is, I'm going to just slip this over just a little bit, because this is something that I've struggled with, or I should say more that I think about a lot. You know, in the position I'm in, I, I rarely, if ever, take a political stand of any kind at all because I, 
I see that the biggest problem in our world right now, and again, I am very aware of the fact that terrible abuses, this is being recorded in uh, 2020. So, you know, historically, either, either you're reading it in present time or if you read it in the future, you know what the year 2020 was like. In the USA, these enormous protests, this underlying injustice that had been, has been simmering forever, you know, for 100 years, for 200 years, has really, like the, the, the boil has been lanced and a tremendous amount that needs to be purified in the light of day has now bubbled to the surface. But part of the difficulty with the whole story is that it's all being acted out on a materialistic plane. And on a materialistic plane, it's just whoever has the most power gets to push against the other one. Whereas where I'm trying to live from is on the plane of transformation of the actual vibration that people are putting out, a transformation of self so that the power of light will be stronger than the power of darkness. And that's where it comes back to this. If you're going to fight for a righteous cause, you have to fight righteously. And that doesn't just mean ethically or honestly. It means, that, as I was saying, your vibration has to be a transforming vibration. That's, uh, that is what Mahatma Gandhi expressed in England, in India, against the English. Um, Master himself said, interestingly, that the reason Mahatma Gandhi won with nonviolence, as he put it, is because the English are very fair-minded and fundamentally, the word he used was gentlemen. And fundamentally, they're they're honest sportsmen. And they tried to brutalize physically people who were not fighting back. But after a while, they simply couldn't do it because it was so unfair. And that the, the sense of honor within them just overcame them. They couldn't do it. There are many cultures in the world where if you'd been foolish to stand up with, without weapons, they would just shoot you down and not even think about it. So there had to be, it had to be the right balance to make that happen. Martin Luther King was also able to make great progress in America because Americans, no matter how much darkness there is in this country, which there is, some, fundamentally, America is a very fair-minded and a very noble country. And so Martin Luther King also was able to activate the conscience of the country and cause very positive things to happen. Activating the goodness in others to create the good that you want, that's how permanent change takes place. All of us knowing together that we are part of a greater reality. And that's a change of consciousness. Now, obviously there's much more that can be said, but I'm going to leave it to you to have to meditate on it and try to find it for yourself. So, if you feel impelled to defend a principle, never do so under the influence of anger. Defend your beliefs joyously. Dharmic, which is to say righteous causes, should be defended righteously. And joyous non-attachment is the only way to mount that defense. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.